whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. And each episode, we invite uh, someone from the theater who you'd see on stage, backstage, or in the house to discuss an original cast album they love. And today, we are joined by the co-founder and executive artistic director of, I'm going to quote this from the website, Washington, D.C.'s premier music theater cabaret and spoken word series, La Tido. It's Don Mike Mendoza. Hi, Don Mike. Hey, Patrick. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. This is so new and fun. And you chose an album that I, a show that I knew, I I shouldn't say that, a show I knew of, uh, but had never heard. You chose, why don't you tell the folks what you chose? Sure. Uh, I chose the original cast recording of a musical called Hot Mikado. One, two, three, four. My object, oh sublime, I will achieve in time To make the punishment fit the crime The punishment fit the crime And make each prisoner pent Unwillingly represent A source of innocent merriment Of innocent merriment And it came out in 1995 um, And it actually debuted at Ford's Theatre uh, here in D.C., and it's just this jazzy remake of The Mikado, if you're familiar with that, which I'm sure you suggested you are, um, and it just kind of takes something that's Gilbert and Sullivan traditional and makes it fun and 40s and just an exciting experience for the audience. So, yeah, this is a show with a rich history. It did, mm-hmm. as you say, it debuted in at Ford's in 86, uh, but it actually debuted in... Uh, 1939 right. in New York, starring Bill Bojangles Robinson as the Mikado, I found out in my research. Oh, okay. And I think I knew that. It was I a very pretended. famous kind of yeah. cabaret vaudeville show, just as you yeah. say, mm-hmm. a, a jazz version, basically, yeah. of the Mikado. And, but what, what I, I found interesting is that uh, Rob Bowman and David Bell, who produced the what is called hot to differentiate it from the hot Mikado. They just call it hot Mikado, which is yeah. a, a distinction I'm going to try to draw and fail <laughs> repeatedly. Rob Bowman, actually, uh, I should say Catholic university graduate like myself. Um, they tried to mount a production of it. I think at Catholic and found there was no, that the, there was very few pieces of the sheet music were still around and there were very oh, few wow. references to it. Yeah. So they sort of recrafted mm-hmm. hot Mikado from the ground up in 86 here in town That's and then took it to New York for a very short run, but it found the cast album comes from actually the London production, it seems, that okay. was in 95, yeah. the West End production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, for those of you who know theater, it is the Mikado, and I'm a white kid from Wilmington, Delaware. I know the Mikado. <laughs> I have two recordings of it myself. I love the film Topsy Turvy. Have you ever seen yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Good. Actually, that, that movie, um, we had to watch it as research. Um, oh, that's a, okay, that's did, good. So that we knew kind of... The context of the writers and what, you know, all that for the film. So I want to start with where this show, there's a lot to dig into. This is a very simple show, but it has a very deep, there's a lot of deep, there's a deep well here. So I want to sort of start linearly. And where did this show come into your life? So for me, um, it was 2005 
and I was a senior in high school, and um, they were casting the fall musical. And so it came into my life because it was announced as the spring musical, and you know, 90% of us were like, what? what is this? I don't understand. Like, we're not doing Pippin again. Like what? And, uh, so we, you know, uh, me and my friends who, you know, we all eventually ended up being cast in the show, which was exciting. Um, we listened to it and it just like blew our minds. Like as, you know, people that we loved the theater, we were those kids in high school who like, you know, Mm -hmm. sang in the hallways and people were like, what are you doing? Um, where'd you go to high school? I went to Winchester Thurston School in um, Pittsburgh. Okay. So it was very liberal arts and like really um, focused on um, nurturing that in kids. So they really loved picking different shows. And it's impossible to talk about either the Mikado, the Hot Mikado, or Hot Mikado without talking about ethnicity. So I'm just going right. to jump in that from the break. Mm-hmm. What was the ethnic breakdown of your so, school? Because this is a show, yeah. just to give, in case you don't know, the Mikado is a British. Op, I mean, what they call an opera comedy about Japan. Whether it's racist or not, I will leave to other people. <laughs> um, uh, though I will say, the only aside I will say is that the people, when it was originally produced uh, in London um, and ran for years and years, it was a very popular production. The, the government, uh, the, the Savoy Theater where it ran, shut down the show while the Japanese premiere, I think, was in London. Really? On fear that it would offend him, and then he apparently like loved it. Well, he he wanted to see it. He sort of said, "I yeah. was really hoping to see the Mikado." I don't know if he saw it or not. Uh, it was a big hit in Japan, also after, yeah. like in the in the early twentieth century when it finally got to Japan. Um, so that's another podcast. I'm not going to talk sure. about whether it is is racist or not. But then it's adapted for an African American audience in the thirties, right? And then it comes to to the you know the 90s and then it comes to you. So was mm-hmm. was the was it an ethnic ethnically so, diverse high school? It so or at least an really. ethnic at least an ethnically diverse that's a hard thing to say. Uh theater program? So it's basically it, it's a very um you know our school was predominantly white mm-hmm. um Jewish um because it's in um Squirrel Hill shady side of in Pittsburgh. Um so we had a very big uh, Jewish population at our school. And then uh, private high school or public high school? Private. private. Okay. So we had uh there was diversity in the student body, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, you know, I was one Filipino in my mm-hmm. high school. Uh the not, the next one I knew of was like a fifth grader. And then Oh wow, uh, okay. Yeah, and you know, we had you know, a handful of African-American kids, not very many um, Hispanic kids. Uh, so it was, you know. So this skewed. was a bunch of white kids doing uh, hot macabre. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Pooba is originally cast as a black man. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to be cast as Pooba because right. that was the closest thing they had to a black man. Um, <laughs> because, you know, and I love the guy who I was up, I was up against the role with because um, he's actually African-American, but he just... I like out African American to him. Well, you're talking to to a guy <laughs> who was in a production of the life of Martin Luther King in second grade, which starred a white kid as Martin Luther King. Oh, now there were black yes. kids in my class. Yeah, right. <laughs> this was 1988. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. It was never okay. It, <laughs> yeah, no. Not and okay. even at the time, I remember thinking this isn't like this is wrong. But right. you know, anyway, that's another that's another, <laughs> another conversation. Day, another conversation. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the way it broke down. Sure. But then also just in the script, they, mm-hmm. you know, because we all know that the Mikado is white people trying to be Japanese. Right. Well, in 
in Hot Mikado, they like call that out where they're just there are mm-hmm. specific moments where they're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be Japanese. You know, like flat out to the right. audience and people are like, OK. So it either lands really well or people are just very confused because if they haven't seen the original, they're like, OK. Well, right. You know, it's like. I wonder what it would be like seeing Hot Mikado without any knowledge of. Right. It would just be Mikado. like kind of like watching a big inside joke and not knowing. Yeah, what it was because the music. Well, the music is really good. Yeah, and the music. But, I mean, it's still Sullivan's music mm-hmm. rearranged. The lyrics, I think, are the biggest difference. The lyrics are mostly Gilbert's, but mm-hmm. they they've jazzed them up. David and, Bell and he yeah. and he rewrote a couple songs, which is in the tradition of the Mikado itself. Actually, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that in in a minute or two. So you played. So I played Poobah. Poobah. So you sang. I sang. Um, uh, the drums will crash. The drums will crash. And I did the trio song. I am song. so proud. Oh, I am so proud. Yes. That song was like yes. testing my little 17-year-old baritone I was going to say, voice. that's a low. Yeah, it's very that's a low. That's a low song. Because you had um, the... I am so proud if I allowed my family pride to be my guide. I volunteer to quit this fear instead of you in a minute or two. But family pride must be denied and set aside and mortified and mortified. You know, it at the time it was not difficult, but it was interesting because I'm a tenor too. So it's like, you know, the music director being like, sing it lower. Right. How low can going. you sing it and we can still hear you? Right. Yeah. Um, so that song um, and then he had a lot of script moments just mm-hmm. because of his character. Yeah, so. he is because he is one of the top three. Right. Well, he, he's, I shouldn't say top three. He is one of, the, he and Coco and, is it? And Pishtush. Pishtush yeah, form a trio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they run the town. And then right. the Mikado and Katisha are another crew. And yeah, then they like come in yum yum Nanki Poo is. And Nanki Poo are another son. set. And right. then there's the other woman so who we, doesn't. So um, we, I'm, I remember it, it he's um, Lord High Everything Else. Mm-hmm. So basically whatever Coco didn't do and whatever Pishtus didn't do, I just took all of it. And okay. so, you know, there's a hilarious scene where I had to play multiple people. And so I had to, you know, in a way like you're putting on different hats, but like physically changing myself to be like, now I'm this guy, but now I'm this guy. Right. So, there's, a, is, there's a scene in the Mikado. And so you're probably, this is probably right, the same scene exactly. where he says, as the Lord mm-hmm. High tax collector, I have to tell you, this is a great idea. Right. And Coco goes, great. But as the Lord yeah. High, like whatever the other thing is, I have to tell you, this is a terrible idea. Because right. he's, he's basically a city he's council everything. all by himself. Yeah, yeah. And he's just talking to himself for an entire scene. So <laughs> does the book... Pretty closely follow Sullivan's book, oh, libretto. Yeah, 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 yeah it does. Okay. Um, I think the Gilbert, kind of pardon me, Gilbert. Some Gilbert's of the updates that they did were just kind of making the language more modern. Uh-huh. Um, so there, there are moments in the script where it's very proper, like that scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely follows. That is a it. funny scene. I mean, um, that's yeah, a it's, it's a very vaudeville really kind of double talky mm-hmm. Abbott and Costello sort of routine, right? Yeah. Um, and then there are scenes where they really update the language. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I call it the diva battle. Like when at the end of Act One, I think. Yeah. When Kadisha and Pity sing, he's gone and married Yum Yum, and yeah. Yeah, it's just very jazzy and really you know forties, um, especially in the language and the way they yell at each other and. Mm-hmm. Um, they even changed some of the insults to be more um, of that era. Because they turn 
the three sisters into the Andrews sisters. Um, in right, the show. for uh, mm-hmm. um, Three Little Maids from School, are right. we? Yeah. One little man. Which I, I as someone who loves that era of music, mm. I really appreciated that because, like, I want not gonna lie, like the original Three Little Maids song is like really boring. <laughs> really, boring. I'm like, okay. I was struck by how the jazz arrangements, and there's that's not exactly the right word, but I think it's probably the best word for it, really brought some of the songs to life. You yeah, say the like three little from school. Maids. I thought the one that that blew me away was uh, "Sing a Merry Magical," yeah. which is mm-hmm. the most boring song in the world in the show. Which and is just they they come out and, and sing this ma- a magical mm-hmm. for a long time. And you put, you know, and you put that in. It like really jazzy. You put like that in cut beat. time and give it some mm-hmm. eighth notes. It really yeah. it swings. Like, swing a merry magical. Swing a merry But there were other songs that I felt that didn't do... A lot of right. them didn't, one way or the other, I had felt no effect. Like the opening mm-hmm. to me had no... The difference yeah, between the if, if you want to know who we are, we are jumping the mm-hmm. of Japan and the both. They didn't really try to do anything with it, so it didn't. Right. But the one song that it didn't... I don't want to say I didn't like it, but the arrangement didn't add anything to me and may have detracted is The Sun Whose Rays are all... Obli- uh, the Sun and I is what they call mm-hmm. it in Hamikado. Yeah, this added a few rips. The sun whose rays are all ablaze with everlasting glory Does not deny his majesty but stands on fire before me He won't be coy a blushing boy Complete with childish whining, but fierce and bold in fiery gold, he glorifies his shining. Because that is a gorgeous, mm-hmm. that is probably my favorite Gilbert and Sullivan song in terms of, as a song, you know, just, yeah. there's not a patter song and not, you don't love it because it's funny or whatever. Right, like the right. sun, th- that is a gorgeous opera and it's a funny little song to me because Gilbert wrote it. If you read the lyrics, it's written as a patter song. The sun whose rays are all ablaze with ever living glory. I mean, it's written. Mm-hmm. To, and then Sullivan took it and went, nope, I'm nope, going to do this and throw it. some minor chords in here. <laughs> and we're really going to, like, she's going to go to town. Sun whose rays are all ablaze with 
I'm assuming when you did it, you didn't there have any preconceived notions about the Mikado? No, okay. like I was completely new to, so I was that person that we were saying like, you know, what would it be like to go in completely blind, um, not knowing the Mikado like mm-hmm. beforehand. And so us as high schoolers, we were those kids because the only Gilbert and Sullivan we know knew was Pirates of Penzance because like what high school doesn't do that show? You've done Pirates, you've so, done Pippin, and right. other, so my, what other kind of shows did you My high school careers, it was really interesting, like the musicals we did. I mm-hmm. think I fell into the right time in terms of variety. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't do the musical freshman year because I was, like, pooping my pants, being like, I'm a freshman. People scare me. So they did Joseph. And so that's, like, really great. So then our sophomore year, we did Pirates, um, followed by Pippin, followed by Hot Mikado. And that's a really good. It's a that's really a good, good group of musicals. Yeah, and it just happened that at that moment in time, um, our high school had a really talented pool of students. Mm-hmm. So th- those four shows went really well. Like just all came off very professional. That's a really. Um, that's a really lucky thing. So, and there's no rhyme or reason to that. No, you just happen yeah, to be. Just, and it's just right time, right, right place. place right like time, the yeah. people that she, our director, um, Barbara Holmes, had um, were just all fit into what she wanted. And I know, like, it's controversial to talk about precasting or whatever, but we, um, yeah, okay. you know, which you kind of have to do in high school sometimes. You do, but, uh, okay, yes, yes, precasting is think, controversial. We right. all want to believe that right. it's truly objective. but mm-hmm. and, and I think it is. I think a, a good, especially in high school, a great high school director goes in with a cast list in their mind they are willing to completely throw away. Right. But they don't pick the show without a cast list because you're not going to do Hot Mikado unless you know you've got a soprano, you've got a mezzo, you've, mm-hmm. got, a, you've got a tenor. Right. You know, you're just not going to. So mm-hmm. I, I remember mm-hmm. my freshman year of high school, uh, the director, Charles Crawford, uh, did My Fair Lady. And one of the reasons he picked My Fair Lady was because one senior was a really good actor who couldn't sing, so he could play Henry Higgins. And the female, the graduating senior, the eldest actress, um, uh, was an excellent uh, singer. She had a fantastic voice and was a good actress, and she could play Eliza Doolittle. And then he just sort of, he knew he could find the rest of the cast from there. But right. th- that, if that wasn't in his line of thinking, he was the like luckiest human being right. on the planet. And yeah, so I don't think there's a, I take no personal, maybe it's because I got leads all the time, but I take no homage right. to precasting. So yeah, I, ca- I can see, um, yes, I can see that as being being something people object to, but I, I think it, it, it goes on all the time and you just Oh yeah, to... I mean, theaters don't pick their season it's... without knowing what's in their Exactly, market, yeah, you know? I mean, community theaters do it, everybody right. does it. Right, yeah, right. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these things don't exist in a in a so, total yeah, vacuum. We um, it was 2006, and we it was a very successful show and um, unique. And I remember a lot of people. The the one thing they always said to me and my cast fellow castmates is just that you know they were so excited to see something that wasn't already done in the area. You I know? was going to say and, yeah, because it just wasn't. I think we were the high school premiere of that show, um, whether it be in the region or. You yeah, know, I don't know, but like no one did it before us. Um, so I think it's even not still. many high schools do the Mikado. I mean, no, th- I that's, that's heard of a high school. I mean, I've that. seen Gil- I've seen Pirates at a high school. I've seen Pinafore at mm-hmm. a high school. Um, and Mikado is the other Gilbert and Sullivan, and right. actually Montgomery Blair High School over here in Silver Spring mm-hmm. last year did Patience, which is actually oh, my wow. favorite Gilbert and Sullivan, and. Did I, you see it? I wanted to so badly. I couldn't <laughs> do it. I was teaching at Discover the World of Communication. Sure. Um, but, 
I that, like Gilbert and Sullivan wrote I don't know how many fifteen operettas together, and right. those are the three that everybody does. They do Pirates, Pinafore, and, and mm-hmm. Mikado, and uh, and it's funny that Hot Mikado doesn't come around because right. it, it it is well I mean. And it's a fun show. Yeah. You know, it's not like this boring thing that people are like, oh, I mean, some parts are good. It's like all good. No, it's As a fun. package, it's right. great. And you can do it with, I mean, you could do this with 20. You could do it with right. 50 and and, mm-hmm. and not change a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You do need to have singers, though. You do. Like, you, you need, need to, to have, be able Like you to say, nine, yeah. nine singers, nine, nine people who really can good sing and people who can sing harmony. Yeah. It's very hard. Which is hard. Um, yeah. And also, who like, singers who know how to... Or have that technical ability to enunciate too, because of the whole like chippy chippy chopper and a big black block. Yes. That part. Sit in solemn silence in a dull dark dock in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short chop shock from a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. To sit in solemn silence in a dull dark dock in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock. Awaiting the sensation of a short chop shock From a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block Sit in some silence in a dull dark dock In a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock Awaiting the sensation of a short chop shock From a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block A dull dark dock, a lifelong lock A short chop shock, a big black block Sit in some silence in a pestilential prison with a chippy chopper on a big black block From a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block I remember learning that song, doing that and harmonizing with two other guys and then speeding it up like yeah. two, three, four times faster than the first time you did it in right. that song um, was super challenging. And as, you know, a 17 year, 16 year old, you know, we were all just kind of like, wow. And it comes out of what nowhere, just like it in does. Sullivan's yeah. and Gilbert and Sullivan's mm-hmm. version. It completely comes out of nowhere. They, they're singing this three part harmony that's really nice. This so I object right. and I object, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes into this and it just, it's like thing all these layers flies out of in. nowhere. Yeah. Um, did you guys so, encore it? On stage, we didn't. Okay, we, I wish we did. But, um, <laughs> no, we we had some because that's kind of derogatory. And right. when you see the Mikado, people be like, yeah. "You like that fast thing? Let's sing it again." Mm-hmm. Well, we, I mean, in the show, it's Just... the one who has all the encores is the character of the Mikado. I, I, I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. in the original script, um, but he, when he comes in toward the end of the show and does his whole like um, the Mikado song, the Mikado song, yeah. um, he reprises like two or three times because he's his character is like so full of himself that right. he's like let me tap for you again like let me do it again and right so and we're all like you know face into the ground like bowing at him right as he does this like amazing tap number um again, again like right. super amazing that you know that talent sat at our high school i was gonna say yeah the fact uh, that you had somebody who could tap mm-hmm, well like, enough his name is michael d'amelio and he's now a lawyer ah and tap dancing lawyer tap dancing lawyer and opera singer and he which also his voice worked really well for that um character wow. so and because i like, mean tapped away i tap career. danced on stage right in I, funny girl but uh, nobody asked me to do an encore uh, I, it was it was utilitarian at best right but, like you know. I, I take my tap skills they're very like you know yeah intermediate I love like tap and I can still do the bit the the tap number I had to do it was mm-hmm. me because I played Eddie Ryan who's the choreographer of of the Follies yeah. in Funny Girl <laughs> and so it was I and I think six uh, women all of whom could dance I mean these high school women they, they could really dance mm-hmm. and I had to act like I was the best I mean I'm their choreographer 
Yeah. And we had to come forward during, I remember during Henry Street and do this tap line like right out front. And I was sure. just like, I am not going to look like an idiot doing this. <laughs> and as a result, I can still do it. Just from muscle memory, I can, right. I don't know if you put tap shoes on me if it would sound like anything, but my feet. At least you can go through the motions. It would look really right. good. Like if we're shooting as a movie, you could put the sounds in and mm-hmm. I would give you enough, I'd give you some hits. Now yeah. it is, I will, I think it's to, to Bowman and Bell's credit that they didn't try, it never feels like they're trying to do anything right. with the show. Yeah. They are simply taking the songs and re- and arranging them in this mm-hmm. in this style. It, so I, like in a as way- As if it took place in the forest. Right, so in a way I'm kind of impressed with the fact they didn't do anything with the first number because the temptation yeah. would be, let's like, let's just jazz the crap out of this. Right. And, but they really do a nice job of like, no, in the Mikado it starts with this really kind of dirgy song and we're just going to take up the tempo a little bit and make it a little more exciting mm-hmm. musically but I think probably the intention would be to let the staging kind of speak for itself and then yeah. once the audience is used to the conceit then we'll start to play a little bit more when they're they're kind of yeah. on board because it takes I mean the first six or seven songs are pretty as wrote yeah. from mm-hmm. a Gilbert and Sullivan point of view up until I think Coco comes in with Behold the Lord, High Executioners right. when we get our first serious rewrites, which mm-hmm. is something that is done to this day with the Mikado. The lyrics mm-hmm. to Coco's song yeah, they're changed to are rewritten. The period, right? I saw it at, yeah, sometimes to terrible effect because I saw it at <laughs> the Grand Opera House in Wilmington when I was in high school. And I didn't know it by heart, but I knew it very well. And you're like, that's not right. <laughs> he sang about Joe Millionaire, which was on TV at the time. Oh. <laughs> and like all these reality TV shows like Joe the Millionaire and Who Will Marry Who and What and Why Ever Should We Care. It was stuff like that. It was clunky as all heck. Yeah. Which, say what you will about W.S. Gilbert, his lyrics are not clunky. No. They may. Yeah. They're str- wordy, but They it's, may be wordy, it, but it they are. Very yeah, they have a rhythm to them. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, they it, it felt. It felt rewritten. Now that is often also done because the original original lyrics uh, aren't are that they're is the pretty... least P- well the, either it yeah, it vacillates push it, it vacillates lot. between the least PC part of the show and the most obscure current references. Yeah. So he was even rewriting those lyrics, I think, every couple of years while it was running, mm-hmm. and then also for touring productions and things. Um, and when it played America, I know he rewrote chunks of that to be more American references. Um, and the Mikado song is the same way because they are basically the same song, which is something yeah. I, if it were me and I had all, because in the, I only know this from the film Topsy Turvy that they originally, he cut the Mikado song because it yep. was redundant. And I would have cut Coco's song, mm-hmm. frankly, because the Mikado song is so, much, so much funnier better. and so yeah. much more interesting. Right. But you can't, they're both hits. You can't cut That's either true. of them. And so. Yeah, Coco's song just alone repeats a lot. It's, yeah. it's the same structure four or five times. Well, he says the phrase, I've got a little list, right. 42 um, times, and they'll none of times. them be missed, they'll none of them be missed. I right. mean, it just... And everyone echoes it, and they're like, yeah, hey, that's true, they do like, just we echo called it. We called it a um, a park and sing song. Mm-hmm. It is. Because um, there's... Which Gilbert and Sullivan, yeah, I mean, that they, is one of their patter songs, right. arias, and I like that. I like park and sing. I got that from Barbara Holmes, too. Like, she was like, guys, this is a park and sing. We're just going to be here and just, you know, sing it. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe Coco will run around. So that song, um, Braid the Raven Hair. Braid the Raven Hair, yeah. You know, those songs. And also, even even the Mikado song, you know, it's just him having his moment. Yes, it is, that is a Parkinson, however. But like you said, yeah, but nobody thing. else sings except, except him. him. Right. Yeah, which, 
I mean, I guess like you, you, I'm sure it's very boring for you being on stage, but right. it is. I mean, he's the Mikado. He gets he, he to gets do that. that. He's right. the king. So this is a show set in Japan. The original is a show set in Japan, but about Britain. Right. About Britain owning or being in Japan. Right. Right. But it's in Japan well, in name only. I mean, the right. character, and as you've heard us say, the character names and the town names, like mm-hmm. this isn't even remotely Japanese in context. Right. However, when it was originally presented, Gilbert, who was the director for all intents and purposes, was ruthless with costume design, set design, making it as Japanese as humanly possible. Yeah. Which is what creates a lot of the unusual ethnic right. problems, I think, when you have that dichotomy. Hot Mikado is kind of is also has a it, it seems to remove it, it takes place in Japan they're very mm-hmm. overt about that if you want to know who we are we're gentlemen of Japan right but it, it it it's sort of it takes a lot of that ethnicity out of it and so what did you as high school students did you have any sort of sense of that um we knew you know like we knew that and we would based off of vocal types you know we we were, we we knew that well, yes, it did break um, ethnicity barriers in terms of the singing styles of the different characters. But, you know, we knew that Pity Singh, Kadisha, Puba are all supposed to be played by African-American people. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, Yum Yum and um, Coco and uh, the Mikado, or not not even the Mikado, Mikado was going to be African-American too. Right. Um, you know, like we, we knew that. Because um, that is certainly the heritage yeah, of the show, exactly. show it, it, right. taking from the source material mm-hmm. on on top of the source material, and I think the way that it that we it did end up getting cast was the best that they could do ethnically, um, without not even not even with the thought of offending people, but it was mostly about vocal type, you know. And sure, there were only maybe two. I was going to say, so how many were people of, were actors of color? Okay. So me and then the woman who played Kadisha. But the people that were in these roles could sing in the styles. So, you know, while Yum Yum was uh, a white girl, you know, she had that jazzy voice Mm -hmm. and could do that. And the girl who played Pity Singh, you know, she was like her, funny enough, her sister in real life, um, you know, she... um, Only in high school. Right, only in high school. And she had the, she had the belt. She had the, you know, Mm -hmm. the high belt that you need to sing that role um i feel like they took a lot i mean just in terms of transferring it from mikado to hot mikado i feel like they took a lot of the keys up um you know any yeah i thought i thought i noticed that i'm glad you said that yeah because i I thought i noticed because you have a lot of like screltiness of like just yell screlt from the girls right um in the show um especially in that last number in act one Mm-hmm. Um, like the back and forth and all well, because it's a duel basically, right? I mean, yeah, it is. And yeah. So, it's like a scat battle. Yeah, and just to be part of that era where it's from, it's like well, it makes sense. Um, but I, I don't think it was ever a an issue that we were cast in these roles and based off of what the ethnicity should or shouldn't have been, you know. Uh, but it, it the show itself though does talk about it like out loud. Um, and I don't know if I talked about this earlier in the podcast, but it was um, there are lines, two or three moments in the actual show in the script where they get so far into this trying to be Japanese situation that, you know, one of the characters, usually Coco, will say, 
oh yeah, we're supposed to be Japanese right now. And if I feel like if you know the show it would make sense to you, but if if you had zero idea what it was about, um, you just kind of not you know tilt mm-hmm. your head at that and be like, oh, okay, and then just move on from and it. Just move on, yeah. right? So. Because it isn't like it isn't like people in a club putting on a show. Like it's not a yeah. show within a show, right? In in the way you might, and I think in the way I originally thought, I thought this was sort of like a cabaret, like you're watching a cabaret mm-hmm. put on the Mikado, and this is just right. how they do it, and then we blur the lines. But it's not that; yeah. it is the show. It's the show in the way right. that the Mikado is a show that breaks the fourth wall, right. up, down, left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. And I think the that idea of like, oh yeah, we're Japanese. I feel like that's Bell and Bowman's way of, of kind of trying to pull the audience into it, saying like, okay, you're watching a bunch of non-Japanese people play people in Japan, you know, and I feel like it was written in to be like, by the way, remember that's what you're looking at, you know, right. and kind of making it satirical in that sense that we get it. It's ridiculous. Um, but the story's fun, you know. I, I wonder how this would play now because the New York Gilbert and Sullivan players famously just um, in September had to, of 2015, had to cancel their production of the Mikado. Oh, really? um, just because, because the there was matter? concerns about racism and stereotyping. Oh. Um, and they, I, it started after they, I mean, as these things always do, the they put up pictures online of the actors essentially in yellow face and oh. everybody oh, rightfully yeah. right. lost you know. their minds and... They then did the thing that everybody does, which is it isn't immediately go, you're right, we're retooling this entire show. They kind of doubled down and went, well, this is the way the show is always, you know, blah, and then, right. you know, and then, then you're done. You're done at that point because right. you're not listening to what right. the complaints exactly. are and you don't care what the complaints are and that's mm-hmm. your fault. But I wonder how, you know, like, I mean, it's one thing for me to say that in the 80s as a second grader, I was in a production of a show about Martin Luther King with a white kid. In right. It. That wouldn't fly today. It shouldn't have flown then. Right. That was wrong then. It's wrong now. Mm-hmm. Hot Mikado, within the, whether yeah. let, me, let me take a step back. Whether yeah. the Mikado is racist or not entirely, de- to me, depends on presentation. Because there's nothing overtly racist in the script, with the exception of a couple lyrics that haven't been performed in 50 years, mm-hmm. at least. At least I hope not. Um, it, it, is, it is just an obs- – Japan is just a setting – right. The characters aren't story. supposed to speak in any kind of offensive accents. It's right. not supposed to be anything like that. So if you put stuff on top of it, it can quickly get racist. Now, Hot Mikado, having mainly African-American characters play mm-hmm. what are supposed to be native Japanese characters right. in a show written primarily by, well, white Americans and then British, based on mm-hmm. British. Like, there's, a excellent, there's a yeah, really interesting these, these racial, layers. like, if right. you wanted to, you could really do some interesting casting yeah. in that show. I think, I think that's what's really great about it, is that it's kind of its own... And, like, I feel like musical theater people will shoot me for this. But it, um, <laughs> in a way, it was kind of like Hamilton before Hamilton and like, it's idea. I think that's a fair comparison. You no, know, I absolutely, of, I, I of don't like, think, yeah. you know, you're telling this story about Japanese people, but you don't have to be Japanese. Like, you know, Hamilton's played by a, a Hispanic man. Right. You know, so it's, um, I feel like it's that idea. Because that came out around the same time that, or at least the 1995 recording came out at the same time when, um, Brandy and Whitney did Cinderella, like oh, in yeah. that time period. That's right. So I feel like that's part of you know 
and I'm just thinking. I mean, about I'll this put. Now. I know you're. you're, you know, you're I feel so, like it's yeah, in that we're, same we're discovering kind of this as we say it. Right. Yeah. So and I'll edit it together so, to make us sound better. But, <laughs> but it, it, I think you're. I mean, it's not. It's not exactly a one to one with no, Hamilton, but right. I absolutely. But so, the idea of that. You know? No, I, I understand what you're mm-hmm. saying. That it, it is taking material that has a racial component to it, mm-hmm. adding another racial layer on top of it. Right. And then that sort of exposes a lot of the racial. Mm-hmm. Issues that the original source material had. I mean, there's right. nothing more interesting in Hamilton than a Latino American and an African American right. debating slavery, like yeah. as white men. That is right. that is an amazing thing to watch. And conversely, in this show, I mean, it's obviously the the stakes are much lower. But watching, I can't imagine what yeah. it was like watching African Americans talk about being Japanese, and you just kind of right. go. I, I would think, especially as a white audience member, you'd be like, "This is insane." And then, right. if you're a logical person, you go. Oh, this was insane originally. Like right. all of this is crazy. Right, right. Like what? What is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it really does bring to to the fore a lot of the problems with right. with the original Mikado, and also, but you know, totally justifiably because it does rearrange the music. So that is. Yeah, and so yeah. I just feel like that version of the Mikado, you know, hot Mikado, is just a. Um, it's a way to make it easier to color blind cast a show. Yeah. And like actually do it in a way where it, it doesn't matter because it's about the ridiculousness of the story. You know, that it's just a person playing a character rather than, oh, they have to be Japanese to play yum yum. You know, right. It's not, it's not a thing. You know, yeah. And, and it's so. Because it's not Pacific Overtures. I mean, it's no, not a right. show. It's yeah. Not. And you... it's also just like the. The vocal styles also skew it even further. It's like, you know, you have who who can I talk? So Kadisha, who is the older Japanese woman singing like an African American woman. I'd love to see Encores do this show mm-hmm. in New York. I'd love to see a, like a, yeah. I think this show lends itself to a concert in a really great way. And you can yeah. still do the whole book, but I think right. it, it lends itself to that kind of presentation. And I would love to see Audra McDonald. And I mean, this is dream casting, right, but like, right. but you know what I mean? Like, I'd love to see great. Audrey McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell together again yes. for the first time. Um, you know, hmm. inter, intermingled with, you know, and, 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 yeah. and, and a, a, very, a, a truly sort of interracial cast perform these songs. But it, right. it would really, that would be interesting um, because I do, I do suspect that one of the reasons this show doesn't get done is because it's too edgy for high schools now i think yeah. in the current state we're in right it's too sim it's probably too edgy for most colleges as well yeah because but... if they have the vocal wherewithal they're just going to do the mikado right and it's too i think incorrectly perceived as fluffy for more serious yeah. theaters right and i really think this is a show i'm really glad you picked this show having never heard it because i really think I'm this show should be done. Like somebody yeah, somebody should, should be, be doing it this totally show. Should. Yeah. And you know, in my dream world, like I would love to come back into the show but not be Pooh by this time and play Coco because mm-hmm. that would be fun. Yeah. It's like this ridiculous character who just, you know, he's there and he's just over the top. Right. You know, um cuz don't get me wrong, Pooh will always have a place in my heart. He's great. <laughs> and I miss him all the time. Um but he's yeah, but they cut his. Be- they did cut yeah. his best song. Well, right. I mean, you still get to do the trio, but the but our he... great Mikado Virtuous Man is Pooh best mm-hmm. song, and you it's yeah, been excised for right. for Hot Mikado. So, no, what is your it's... favorite song from the show? I like to ask that. Oh, question. that's hard. I have like four. <laughs> um, so let me. Okay, so let me break it down a little bit yeah. then for you. What is your? I, I don't know. Do you sing any songs from the show today? 
Um, or do not, you have any kind of? I haven't around? in a while because okay. most of the songs that I do like singing are more ensemble songs. So um, if you, but if you were yeah. gonna sing, so let's pick. Let's start with if you were gonna. Well, I know one song that one I would. Out. I would love to sing with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can find someone to like kiss me that many times, is the um, is the song um, or this is what I'll never do, and uh, just because the beginning of that song is so operatic. Were you not too cocoa plighted? I would say in tender tone, loved one, let us be united. Let us be each other's own. I'd forget all rank and station. Worldly sneers are not to us. And to mark my admiration, I would kiss you fondly thus. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this really cutesy, jazzy, like, you know, where. We're making up, but we're saying we're not. Let me make it clear to you. This is what I'll never do. This, so oh, this, this, so oh, this, oh, this. So I would love to do that song with somebody because I didn't play Nicky Poo. So right, um, and also kind of what they did to change his his entrance song, Nicky Poo's wandering, entrance or a wandering, oh, wandering minstrel. minstrel. Yeah, yeah. I I remember hearing the original version of that song and being like not impressed. So when they changed it for Hot Mikado and made it this like kind of a bigger ballad yeah. than what it originally was and just giving Nankipu this like power moment of like, look at how great of a tenor I can be. Oh, listen to me, baby, oh, baby. Does your heart sing out a lonely wail? I'll do so too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I call it a wow factor. You know, yeah. like, I have talent crushes and like right. if I saw a, a person come out, a guy come out and sing that song the way it is in the recording or better. As an audience member, I would be like, he's hot. I like yeah. him. Like, I want to follow him. Mm-hmm. He sort of is like, no, seriously, like, right. I am this good. So it is unlike in the original, which is just a prince in disguise with a lute. Right. This <laughs> is a guy who's like, you maybe has, is a prince in disguise. And maybe, like, if the rest yeah. of the show was about how he really wanted to just be a singer, I would have, I would buy that. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. uh, he's just, he does that. He comes yeah. out and he's like, well, I, I talk about what I do and let me show you. Yeah. Um, except for the one part. I don't, uh, in the Mikado, is he terrible at playing an instrument? I, I think know. so, yes. Okay. Yes, which is part, which is the joke. I mean, yeah. he's in disguise and it's a disguise no one's ever going to, right. should ever, mm-hmm. should be able to see through instantly. Because they make him a trumpet player in Hot Mikado. Right. So... 
Um, he just has whatever the Japanese yeah. guitar is in the in the original. Right. Yeah. In terms of song that I'd want to, I guess the question was like, song I want to perform. Yeah. It would be that one. Okay. The other song, like if I could like reverse cast or reverse gender this show, sure. And just for fun, like to do what this song, I would love to find two guys to do Three Little Maids in that style, um, mm-hmm. because that's just fun. You know, yeah. just three people, you know, doing their thing, um, and just. Doing jazz like a jazz. I mean, it's, it's the of it it's the boogie it. boogie 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 from Company right, Babe. It's right, right. Yeah, it's, it's like really cute and a good time. So yeah, um, you have know... to think that was the song that made the original like '30s guys go, "Hey, we can do this as a yeah." You have right the three mm-hmm. little maids from school. Like it's three right. women singing. It's like oh, we've seen that on mm-hmm. everywhere. Right. <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned three songs, none of which Coco sing, but Coco's the part that you'd want. Yeah, I'd love play. to play his character. Yeah, he's just so I feel like he has a lot of. He's the best character in the show, and he was. The best male role in the show. It was yeah. originally p- written for and played by George Grossmith, who is the best actor, without a doubt, the comedic yeah. actor in Gilbert and Sullivan Company, in Savoy Company. I am, at the moment, looking at a picture of Ghost- Grossmith uh, in his original m- costume, which I'm going to show to you now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all that stuff oh, we said wow. about it maybe not being so racist originally. Right, like, just um, look at that picture. That's pretty, that's awful. Yeah, uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty awful. I mean, pretty consistent with the time. Right, you know, like at the time that was fine. That was you know, more than fine, right. and that's not okay, of course. Uh, that's awful. That's, well, because here is, I'll put these up on the Facebook page. This is Derwood Lewy as Nanki Poo. Right, which is less terrible. Well, I think he just looks like that. His hair has been done... In in a style, right? But he looks like he doesn't have any eye makeup on. He mm-hmm. doesn't have any. His face, I, as far as I can tell, isn't right. painted. Though it he might be. Have a man you button. can really tell uh, that Grossman's face is painted because you can see his bald cap. Right. So you can right. notice like how <laughs> he's been yellow faced, and he just looks dirty. Like and he's he looks like squinting he's crap and a terrible. Like, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> All right, I'm taking this off the screen. It's on Wikipedia. You right. can find just it. Check yeah. it out. <laughs> um, this is a problematic show. Well, I should say the Mikado is a problematic show and always has been. And obviously, I, I told that story about the Japanese premiere coming to UK because mm-hmm. obviously they knew it was problematic when right. they were doing it. Right. They didn't care because they didn't know anybody Japanese. Like it's really that like nobody yeah, Japanese exactly. was going to be in yeah. the audience. So who cares how they feel right. about what and we're so doing? So now he's. But now that he's you know, here, like put coming. it put it away. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yeah. It, yeah. So it's like when little kids are doing something bad and they know. Right. <laughs> like, oh, my son's favorite thing now to do is occasionally yell from upstairs, "Daddy, don't come up here," which of course <laughs> it's okay. I well, go right upstairs. Right. Yeah. Nope. Definitely going upstairs. Well, this was wonderful. Thanks Dom, for I, having what, me. I'm I'm so glad you could come on come on down and talk to me. So you've got a couple things coming up. I currently I've just started a blog um, called Producing the District. And it's kind of a way for people to follow my projects that I'm doing. Um, basically, I, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I'm the executive artistic director of Lati Do. Um, so that happens every Monday. You can find information about that um, and anything having to do with Lati Do, both in D.C. and New York, um, at latidoproductions.com, L-A-T-I-D-O, um, productions, plural, dot com. And so that'll have all of the information there. Um, about producing the district. You can find that online, um, mostly social media. Uh, so on Instagram and Facebook, it's producing the district. On Twitter, it's producing the DC. So you can find information there about producing the district. I also have my own artist page. Um, so just Don Michael Mendoza on um, Facebook. 
And okay. so many ways. And Latido can me. be seen. Latido can be seen every Monday night here in DC at uh, Bistro Bistro in DuPont Circle. In DuPont Circle, and we, you know, definitely keep an eye on the website because sometimes it'll change and we'll do a special event here or there. But for because the you guys part, were at fifty four below, we were. When we, was that? That was a that was month or... September of twenty fifteen. So last year. Okay. Um, and that was a special event for us because yes. a lot goes into producing a show there. But I've learned doing that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and it was a lot of fun. The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who man the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at Unknown Penguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Unknown Penguin. I'd like to thank one more time I'm Don Mike Mendoza for coming down and talking to me. And I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Ah!